I was hell-bent on making something bigger with my life. I never stopped trying to be better every single day. You know, I, I think that's probably why I got to where I was. In sports, you have to do that. I think you have to try and be a better person and a better player or a better business person uh, every single day when you wake up. I was very lucky. I had two great centermen that played hard and, and you know, got the puck to me when when I was open. And, uh, I mean, you don't do it alone. You need, you need guys to help you. If you work together and you work well together, then you're going to have success. We were the fifth best team in the NHL in the second half, mainly because there was a, a real big level of trust amongst us. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an incredible guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is the former captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is a three-time 50-plus goal scorer. He is a hockey legend. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one. The only, the legendary Rick Vibe. Welcome to the show, Rick. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Good to have you here, my friend. Yeah. It's always exciting to uh, for me when I get to, to meet somebody that I uh, grew up watching play, one of my favorite sports in the world. So it's a real treat for me. Well, it's, uh, you know what? It's, it's great. I, I love doing these things and uh, – you know, getting people to know a little bit about me and who I am and, and that sort of thing. So I, I think it's great. Awesome. So, Rick, the, the people that listen to this show tend to be business people. They tend to be entrepreneurs. This is a show that stands for good old-fashioned Canadian values like freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. And we really want to help the people that listen to this show be inspired to do better in their life, to do better in their business. We want them to learn some tips from you that they can apply to their life and their business so they can become more successful. And these are people that listen to this show because they're hungry for growth. They're hungry for being better people. But before they can really open themselves up to you, they've got to reconnect with you and your story. So tell us your backstory, brother. How'd you get to be the great Rick Vive? Well, uh, it was a pretty long journey. Uh, in fact, I think if nobody has gotten it yet, my whole story is on is in there. Catch twenty two is still in in the stores. I love it. And uh, so it was a uh, it was a long journey. Started out in Ottawa, moved to Amherst, Nova Scotia, and then to Prince Edward Island and to Charlottetown, where my mother was from. My father was from Gatineau. Um, and then, you know, growing up, I mean, we always had an outdoor rink. We were out on the rink, like, I mean, for hours and hours, shooting pucks, doing different things. Uh, I fell in love with the game. And uh, there was a few obstacles along the way. There was, uh, 
a lot of alcoholism and, and stuff uh, in back in my family uh, during those years. So it was a little bit difficult. I didn't really want to be around the house that much because, you know, it, it wasn't a great environment. Uh, but then, you know, it affected me years later. And, uh, you know, so that was a battle for me as well. And, uh, but you know what, I, I just put my head down and worked extremely hard. Uh, you know, I, I treated people as good as I possibly could because I wanted to be treated the same way. And everything started kind of falling into place playing junior or midget and then junior hockey in Prince Edward Island. I got drafted by Sherbrooke in the Quebec league, the Marlies in the OHL. Uh, I chose Sherbrooke because I was a fourth overall pick by them. And I was a fourth pick by the um, Marlies in the third round. I believe they had two picks. So I chose there and uh, I mean, I, I was kind of happy to to be away from home. I, I, you know, I know that's really not a good thing to say, but, you know, I, I remember in Charlottetown, we didn't have the gates and everything that you walked down and get on the plane. You, you walked out and went up the stairs in, into the airplane and I'm waving to my family and I'm saying, okay, well, I will probably never be back here to live full time. And uh, sure enough, I wasn't. Uh, I was hell bent on making something bigger with my life, uh, leaving Prince Edward Island and, and getting to do that. And uh, lo and behold, I had two successful years in junior in Sherbrooke and then moved on to the WHA, gave up my last year of junior. And then the next step was the NHL. And, uh, and the funny thing was I never stopped learning. I never stopped trying to be better every single day. I mean, I was on the ice a half an hour before most of the guys got on the ice, shooting pucks, trying different things. And, you know, I, I think that's probably why I got to where I was. Yeah, that, 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 makes, that makes complete sense. And you were, um, you were drafted originally by, uh, by the Canucks? Yep. Yep. Fifth overall. And, you know, figured I went to Vancouver. I, I wasn't thrilled about being in Vancouver, to be honest with you. I mean, when, when I heard that they drafted me, uh, because it was all the way across the other side of the country. And, <laughs> sure. you know, my parents would be watching the games at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And that wasn't a good thing. Uh, but but I, I embraced it. And, uh, you know, I tried to be the best I could there. Uh, Harry Neal, who was a coach and he was filling in for Jake Milford, who was our general manager, was sick in the hospital. And obviously he felt differently about me. So in February of that year, I got traded to Toronto and uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I got a great opportunity to play. I took advantage of that opportunity. And like I said, every day was okay. Let's get better. Let's get better. And uh, you know, I think, I, I mean, it, in sports, you have to do that. I think in anything, you kind of have to do that. You have to try and be a better person and a better player or a better business person uh, every single day when you wake up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's 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 a big lesson of life. You know, you 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 have to have uh, a, a, the attitude of I, I'm going to give it my best and I'm going to work on becoming a one percent better than I was yesterday. 
And, and if you do that every day, you're, you're going to move in a, in a fantastic direction. So you, you joined the Leafs. Um, it, you know, it was said that that trade was the best trade the Toronto Maple Leafs had made up to that point, right? They got you and Billy Durlego and you came to Toronto and you started scoring a boatload of goals and the guys that Vancouver got, I mean, they were good players and all, but they were kind of in the tail end of their career. You were, you were on the, on the, on the upswing. And what was that like? Yeah, that was kind of weird. I mean, when, when it was funny when I, I, Harry came to my apartment and uh, I think it was like six 30 in the morning to tell us or to tell me uh, because he didn't want uh, the, because of course with the time change, he didn't want the people out East to get that information before he told Billy and I. So anyway, we were on a flight that day and uh, it was kind of a, it was a weird flight. It was uh, we got on the plane. I think it was around noon. We had the flight to Toronto stay overnight. And then we had the flight to long Island where we were going to play the next night. And uh, we get on the plane and Billy says, uh, why don't we have a couple of beer on the plane? And I said, eh, I don't know, Billy, do you think we really, he said, ah, let's have a couple. I said, okay. And then the captain comes on and he says, uh, welcome to Air Canada and everything. And then he says, by the way, uh, it's election day. So alcohol will not be served on this flight. <laughs> and I, I swear, I think Billy offered the flight attendant a thousand dollars of service. I said, Billy, we don't need a beer that bad. Like, come on. Like, seriously. <laughs> and uh, thank, thank goodness that happened because when we arrived in Toronto, every press person in the Toronto area was there at the airport to talk to us. And uh, uh, we went to our hotel. I think then we ordered a dozen beer <laughs> and uh, you know, we had a couple, a few each and uh, then the next morning off to long Island and everything started off pretty good. I had two goals at first game and uh, then we had a couple other games on the road. We came back and uh, everything just started kind of fitting into place. And Billy was my centerman and he was a great player and a, a, a great passer and, and he had great vision and, we just kind of clicked. And uh, I think Pat Hickey was initially our, our left winger. Yeah. And then John Anderson after that. Um, and then it's funny because during those three 50 goal seasons that I had in a row, Billy got hurt in the second year. So they traded for Dan Daou, uh, who came in from Montreal. And he was my sentiment for the second half of those three 50 goal seasons. And uh, so I, I, I was very lucky. I had two great centermen that played hard and, and, you know, got the puck to me when, when I was open. And uh, I mean, you don't do it alone. You need, you need guys to help you. And uh, sure. You know, I mean, I, I think that goes without saying in anything really. I mean, uh, if you work together and you work well together, then you're going to have success. You know, bang on. And I really am glad you said you don't do it alone. That's one of my mottos. I go hashtag don't do 2022 alone, right? Yeah. Because if you try to do it alone, you, it, it's it's not going to go too well for you. You know, let's say you're a, you're a salesperson, right? And you're going out there and you, you you're trying to sell. Well, if you tried to do all the selling by yourself without having like a bit of back office help, without having maybe somebody there to like lift you up when you've had three or four people say no to you in a row. 
it's it's not going to go so well for you. And the same is true. That's that's the beauty of playing organized sports, and and, and, and at the highest level, like you did, is that you really learn that you 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 have a bunch of people that are all going for a common objective, and it's important to learn how to get along with those people to make that common objective become a reality. You don't even need to like the other person. You just need to be able to work with them to move toward that common objective. Yeah. You know what? It's funny you say that because that's absolutely true. I mean, I did have one person ask me one time, is there like, I mean, I played with a lot of players, you know, I played in four different organizations and uh, we had a lot of turnover in Toronto during the time I was there, but they said, uh, was there anybody you ever played with that you hated? And I said, well, first of all, hates a, a pretty big word that I wouldn't use. And I said, but I can count on one hand the guys that I perhaps didn't see eye to eye with, or, you know, didn't get along a hundred percent with. And that was it. I said, other than that, all the other guys were great to work with. And, uh, you know, we, you're not going to have success unless you work together, you know, and that was the thing. And I remember one, one season in particular, uh, we were, we were chartering, we, we chartered those little prop planes and Harold was on the flight. King Clancy was on the flight. And after our, our dinner, uh, the flight attendant would come by with a wicker basket full of chocolate bars. And King said to her, the other old guy behind me can't have any because he's a diabetic, which he was. So she gets to Harold and he reaches in and grabs about four chocolate bars and she slapped his hand and said, you can't have any, sir, you're a diabetic. Well, the next day he canceled the charters for the rest of the year. So we had a, four Czech players came over that year from Czechoslovakia and we were flying home all the time. So now we're staying on the road. We're going out together for dinner and, and whatnot. We got to know each other a little bit better. And then there was a lot of trust between us. And we were the fifth best team in the NHL in the second half, mainly because we got to know each other better and we got, there was a, a real big level of trust amongst us. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember it was Miroslav Freacher, right? He was one of the, the Czech players that was playing for the Leafs back then. Yep, Freacher, Inicek, Duris, and uh, the goalie, I can't even remember his name now, but... Uh, uh, Peter Inichuk, I remember him too. Yeah, Peter was there, and it, but the thing was, we didn't know them, and they kind of they kind of stayed to themselves. But we also started home all the time after games, so we never really got a chance to hang out together. And when he canceled the charters, we did, and <laughs> he did your you know, favor. <laughs> I mean, you get to know your team, and I don't even think he realized it. To be quite honest with you, I don't think he realized that he actually did us a favor and uh, got us closer together as a team and gave us more trust amongst ourselves. And, and I think that's very, very critical uh, in a setting like that where, you know, you, your whole thing is to win. And I think you have to have trust in your teammates and you gotta, you get, you gotta know them well, and uh, you gotta have that, that big thing is trust. And if you don't have trust in your teammates, then you're not going to have success. That's, that's very true. And that's a very powerful point. It's a very, very powerful point. So in that first season that you, uh, that you scored over 50 goals, Rick, what was it like for you when you realized that that was going to possibly happen for you? 
I didn't really realize it till I was about 45 goals and, and the press came, were talking to me one day and they said, you know, what would it be like to be the first Maple Leaf to score 50 goals in a season? And I'm going, what do you mean first Maple Leaf? Like, you know, you look at Dave Keon, Frank, all these great players that played for the Maple Leafs over 70 some years when I was there. And I, and I, I couldn't believe that none of them had ever done it. And so it, it was kind of, I, I, I was disbelief really that no one had ever done it. And then finally I got to do it on March 24th, 1982. And uh, I, it was great. It was, uh, you know, one of those things that, you know, it wasn't, I didn't go into the season thinking, okay, I got to score 50 goals. I mean, I had 33 the year before all that I wanted to do was be better than what I was the year before and maybe get 38 or 40. I wasn't thinking 50, but it, it all happened. And, and that was because I had a great centerman and builder Lego and Borea Salming on the point on the power play and that sort of thing. And, and we just clicked and lo and behold, it happened. And uh, it, it was amazing. It really was. It really, for me, it was something that, you know, I, I like I said, I, I wasn't thinking about, but when it happened, my, my family were in town and, we went out and celebrated that night and it was, uh, it was basically surreal really, because, you know, to think that, you know, Hey, I'm the first player to ever score 50 goals for this organization that have been around that long. It was amazing. It's pretty special. It's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like for your teammates, especially the ones who were a big part of your accomplishment? It, it, it was great. They were I mean, everybody was extremely happy. And it was funny because uh, we used to go to a place called Mr. Green Jeans for lunch sometimes. And Yeah, I remember big, that. They had these big 36-ounce drafts. And uh, we were in there one day, and the guy goes, uh, if you score 50, uh, I'll give you guys – I'll give you 50 free 36-ounce drafts. Wow. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh Anyway, we did it. Um, <clears throat> myself, about six of my teammates and our wives, we all went there. And I asked the guy, I said, listen, we're not going to drink 50, 36-ounce drafts. So there's <laughs> no way we're going to be able to do that. Can you take the price of those and, and we can have dinner and a couple of beer and whatever? So we did, and that was very nice of them to do that. So we had a, we had a real nice uh, night out with my line mates and a couple of the other guys that I played with and our wives and – it was fantastic. Well, they must have loved that you got them that free dinner, right? Eh? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, it was, but you know what? It, I, I had great teammates. I had great friends, and, and a lot of them I still, you know, talk to today, and uh, we, we, we still converse and talk about the old days. And, you know, one, once you – go through something like that and go through three or four years playing with these guys, you become lifetime friends. You really do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I can't even imagine the guys that have won Stanley cups multiple times together. It must be even greater when, when you do that. And I never got to do that, unfortunately, but um, as they say, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're friends for life when you do something like that. Yeah. And really this are. was, this was no different, only on a smaller scale, I guess. That's a beautiful thing, man. It truly is. It truly is. 
So, um, now young Austin Matthews uh, came and and uh, was the first Leaf to score sixty goals. I, I I was I was actually there at the rink when he did it with my with my son who plays goalie. He he, he plays goalie. Uh, he's fourteen years old, and it was pretty cool to watch him do that. Uh, what's Austin Matthews like? And, you know, what's it like for you to to see this young man kind of take the torch from your hands and and run with it? I think it's great. I uh, I got to see him on the, the Saturday after he broke it in Dallas on Thursday or tied it, sorry. Uh, and then he broke broke it at home on Saturday. And then uh, I saw him that morning. And or no, he broke it on in Dallas. I'm sorry. And uh, anyway, I got to see him that morning. I had to do an appearance there anyway. And then they I got invited to the practice rink on the Monday. Got to meet all the coaches and the players. And uh, and then all of a sudden, they said, okay, we're going to go into the video room. And it was basically, it's like a movie theater. The, it, the, the thing they have there, the uh, everything is, is so unbelievable. So we're sitting there, and uh, Sheldon Keefe is going over the things that he wants them to see and, and talk about. And then he goes, oh, and we got a special guest here, so let's run the, 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 the film. And they showed about, I don't know, 15 or 18 of my goals and uh, a fight. And, uh, <laughs> and so, but it was, it was wonderful. I got to sit with Sheldon for a while. I watched the practice with Kyle Dubas up top and then got to sit with Austin at lunch for a little while. And uh, I mean, they have a kitchen and everything in there with chefs and everything. And um, it, it was wonderful to see that. And I'm, it, for me, the biggest thing is like, I mean, I, I had it for 40 years, that record. And I mean, here comes along time. this, you know, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and here comes along this, you know, generational type player like him. And it's like, okay, you know, I want him to break it because I don't want some guy to come in and have a fluke year and, you know, get 55 goals and then never even get close again, because I know he's going to be there every year. Uh, yeah, close to that number, you know, and uh, so I, I think it's great. You know, he's a great young man. He works extremely hard in the off season to make himself better. And, you know, that, like I said before, you try to get better every single year and be a better person and a better player. And he does that. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough about, about how good a player he is and, and how happy I am that I got to pass the torch on to him. And uh, I, in fact, I told him to get 65 because I said, no one will ever break that except for you. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he got a, he got a, he got a chuckle out of that. And, uh, but it was fun. It was fun being there, uh, meeting the players that I've never met before. And, and some of them I have met and uh, getting to sit with him and sit with Sheldon Keith for a while at, at lunch and, it, it was a wonderful day for me, and uh, uh, I'm glad they invited me down there for that day to kind of pass that torch on and 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 get to meet the players that I didn't know, and it, it was wonderful. It was a uh, for me, it was it was something special that they did that for me. You know, it was a classy move on the organization's part to uh, to bring you in and 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 have that be there, and I, I think that's important. Um, I think it's wonderful for you, but I think it's important for the fans. And I think it's important for the city 
to have uh, something like that done because it shows that there is a, um, a tradition, a continuity. Uh, and the fact that they're honoring you is, is, is something that uh, harkens back to olden times where uh, ancient warriors were honored because let's face it, you're like our modern day warriors, <laughs> you know, people who play sports for our cities. Yeah. And you were one of our you were one of our champion warriors who who did great things for the city of Toronto and, and frankly for uh, for for quite a few Canadians all over the country. Uh, Rick Vive is, is 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 a name that for hockey fans means something. It means something powerful. So for them to honor you is a fantastic thing. But it was also you were honoring young Austin, and you, you were you were letting him know that that uh, uh, the folks who came in before him we're proud of what he did. And I think that's good for him. I think that gives him a lift, it, you know, and on yeah, Tuesday night, he scored two goals, right? Like, like, yeah, he, I mean, he, I, I think it's great for him. It's great. It, I think more importantly, I think it's great for the players that were there, the whole team, you know, cause now they see, okay, if I stay here and I play well, this organization is not going to forget me. You know, they're, they're going to, they're going to, I'll be an alumni here forever and they will never forget me uh, if I do my job properly and, and, and have success. And I think that's one of the big things that I took out of that was that these guys are all going to be thinking that, you know, they're going to go, yeah. wow. I mean, that was 40 years ago and they bring him in. And he, he, he's still a big part of uh, the, the leaf alumni and, and that sort of thing. I think that's big for them uh, to realize that, that, that's going to happen for them if they stay there and they do their job properly. No, I think that's fantastic Rick. I really do. And so Rick, these days, what's keeping you busy? Oh, well, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the last two years have been pretty tough. Uh, I mean, generally I play about 70 hockey games a year between the LEAF alumni, the NHL alumni, various tournaments for Easter Seals, Hockey Helps the Homeless, uh, those types of things. And I have a lot of fun doing it. I still love playing. And even though I'm going to be 63 years old uh, in probably about two and a half weeks. And, oh, wow. uh, Happy but early I, birthday, pal. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And uh, But I still love playing. And I, I, I'll play until... I can't stand up anymore and uh, I can't skate anymore. And, and because I love the game and, and not only that, I get to play with guys that some of the guys I played with, some of the guys I haven't. And it, to get to meet the guys that I haven't played with is, is even better. I mean, because, you know, I'm making new friends, I'm meeting new guys and, you know, we all kind of, uh, how do I put it? I guess, we're all similar because we played a sport that we loved and, and we were part of a team. And so you, you get to meet these guys like Nick Anthropop, for instance, like I never played with him. He was well after me, uh, but we play in a lot of alumni games together. And, and now like we're, we're best friends and, you know, I mean, it's great. I, I love it. I mean, meeting new people, uh, meeting the fans and, and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, having them, come up and ask for autographs. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, you know, you go, you go to places like Timmins, Ontario, and, you know, these people don't get to see us that often in person, you know, and, 
and we go play an alumni game there and then we have an autograph session and it makes them happy too that we go to those foreign places we go to moose factory as well and places like that and i think that's very important for those communities that they get to bring us in there and get to meet us and, and see us yeah amen amen i think that's that's very very true and it's a wonderful thing that you do and you've you've got your book out great title catch 22 so uh that that refers to the number on the back of your jersey that you wore yeah and uh it's funny we came up, i come up with that title and uh I guess we had to check to make sure that it wasn't patented by the movie that came out a long time ago. Yeah. And, uh, and the it book wasn't the novel. It wasn't, so <laughs> yeah. we, we went with that and, and that's what I told us. And I said, you know, my book's called catch 22. Well, guess what? You caught me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, but it, it, it's, it's a really good, what I wanted to do with that book was, you know, I think in general, I think a lot of fans of uh, whether it be the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, I think a lot of fans think, oh, this guy had a perfect life growing up and everything was rosy and he's playing in the biggest league and everything else. Well, you know, I wanted to share my story because I know there's a lot of guys that have gone through a lot of things like I did and let the fans know that you know, everybody's life is not perfect. You know, there's hurdles along the way and there's obstacles that you need to overcome uh, to get to where you, you ultimately you want to be. And uh, and I was no different. And there's a lot of guys that, trust me, that come from small towns and had the same hurdles and, uh, and obstacles in their way, but they pushed through as well and they made it. Amen. Amen. You know, I was, I was talking to Bobby Hall a few months ago when I got to interview him and I had the privilege of going out to dinner with him and a group of, uh, a group of other men. And he, he told a very similar story that, you know, he didn't have a perfect life growing up and he grew up in a small town and, and that, you know, times were tough and he had a vision for himself and he, he had a, a bit of talent and a bit of skill, a lot of speed. He had blazing speed and he got out there and worked hard, taught himself the game and, you know, became, became the golden jet. And, and that's a beautiful thing. And, and, and I think that's one of the lessons that you can impart to anybody listening to this episode is it doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter how tough your circumstances are. None of that matters. What matters is how committed you are to a beautiful dream, a beautiful vision and uh, how, committed you are to do the work necessary to get you there and we live in a time i think where a lot of people are committed to easy and a friend of mine a good friend of mine i, I run a men's organization as well and we were talking about getting out of your comfort zone of the men because a lot of the men are just addicted to comfort we were listening to uh, a, a speech uh, given by president uh, john f kennedy back in the early 60s, uh, and it was right. a speech where he was um, rallying the nation at the time to go to the moon by the end of the decade. And he said this, I mean, this is a line from, from, uh, from the speech, and forgive me for butchering his Massachusetts accent, but he said, <laughs> we seek to go to the moon. 
not because it is easy, but because it is hard. And I just listened yeah. to that and it just it gave me goosebumps. I said, yeah, yeah, that's exactly why you should do anything. You got to seek to do what you do in life, not because it's easy, but because it's hard, because doing the hard things make you and forge you into a better human being and allow you to live the kind of life you deserve to live while doing the easy things are just going to turn you into a soft butterball who's not really going to live any any kind of life that you're going to be happy with, right? Yeah, and it's, it's funny because I learned those from my parents and both my parents, you know, they they got they left school I think in grade nine because they had to work to help the family out and everything. My father had uh, thirteen kids in his family, and you know, it, it was, they worked extremely hard. We had four kids. My two younger brothers and older sister, and they worked extremely hard to make sure that we had the things that we needed, you know, for school, for hockey, for whatever, and. You know, that was never lost on me that how hard they worked to make things, you know, good for as good as possible for us. We didn't have the best clothes. We didn't have the best equipment. Uh, we went to school. We didn't have the best clothes on, but I didn't care. We had clothes on our back and, and my, my parents made sure that, you know, they worked extremely hard to make that happen. And I never forgot that. Uh, and I, I did the same thing. I worked extremely hard to get to where I was to build something. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, well, gosh, I mean, in June, it's going to be 41 years now that we've been married and wow. we have two boys. Uh, we have two grandchildren now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see my boys having success. And, you know, one of them works for Moosehead and he's got, he's got about eight or 10 people working underneath them. And then my youngest son's still playing hockey uh, in the ECHL, which is a lower league of, uh, you got the NHL, the American League, and the ECHL, and uh, but he's played about almost 300 games in the American Hockey League, and uh, went to college, played for the U.S. Development Program, got a degree, got a full scholarship to a university in the U.S. I mean, I couldn't ask for anything more, and and my my boys worked hard, and, and they got to where they are, and I. That was one of the things that we, you know, kept harping on them when they were young was, you know, you're not going to go anywhere unless you work extremely hard to get to where you want to go. Amen. 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 Well said. Well said. So, so Rick, your book is still out there. Why don't you hold it up again? Um, yeah, it's, it's in stores. It's in, uh, you can find it almost anywhere. On Amazon. Um, Catch 22. Love yeah, it. You can get them on Amazon. You can go into even, I think, a uh, drugstore uh, with uh, shoppers, uh, Walmart, uh, probably any bookstore you go into, uh, uh, you, you'll be able to find it. And uh, well, I'm going to make like sure I, I, pick up, I, I pick up my copy and I'll, uh, I'll track you down at one of your events, Rick, and come and get you to sign it for me. And, and, yeah. and, and listeners pick up a copy of the book. Uh, Rick's got a great story to tell. And it's so what I like is the thing on the back. He didn't he pretend, didn't pretend to, be to be an angel. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Because I didn't, I, you know, I, like I said, I had my issues with, with alcohol and I uh, was able to overcome them. And, but I never pretended that I was an angel, that I was perfect I, because I wasn't. And, 
you know, and uh, those, there were some, some rough passages, but I got through them and, and mainly because of what I learned my whole life, uh, every day to try and be a better person and a better player and, and, and what have you. So uh, that, that served me very well when, when those things happened. Amen. Amen. Good stuff, man. Um, do you still do uh, any type of corporate speaking or anything like that? Well, not in the last few years, for sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> the um, world's opening up now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, I, I don't do as much as I, I, I mean, there was times where I did, a, a, you know, maybe five to 10 per year, but uh, uh not really. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big speaker. Um, you know, I, I think I have a good message, but um, I'm, I'm not really comfortable in front of a, a, a big room of, full of people. Um, never have been. And uh, still, I mean, I'm, I'm more comfortable now, obviously, but um, you know, who knows? I mean, things are going to start coming up now and I got a whole bunch of things that are coming up like left and right now. And, and I mean, I can't even keep up with my calendar. There's so many things on there. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of it's getting a little crazy now, but, but sure. Hey, I, I like that. I like to be busy and uh, I like to do these things. So, uh, you know, there are things I'd like to do. So that's why I do them. You know, you, Amen. love it. You know, I was in Buffalo about a week, uh, a little over a week ago, I guess, at a game and doing some autograph sessions. And, you know, I, I love doing that. I love meeting the fans and the people of the places where I played and, and you know, get to connect a little bit with them and give them an autograph and maybe a picture taken with them. And for me, that that's always been uh, very, very important to me that these people get to, to meet me and, and uh, talk to me and see what I'm like and get a picture taken with me. And I, you know, if it makes their day, then it makes me happy. Amen. Amen. One of my buddies uh, is a fellow named Ryan Lewis. He owns a company called uh, Autograph Authentic and he uh, puts on a lot of um, events. He's the fellow who introduced me to Bobby Hall and he had Bobby in, uh, in town uh, last year and, they, they did some autographs at one of the events and things like that. I, and I think it's great. Bobby has a similar attitude to you. So I think it's great that, you know, men like you with the type of accomplishments you've had are so humble and open and uh, ready to connect with their fellow man and woman. It's a beautiful thing. Rick. So Rick, we like to end off each and every single episode by asking you our guest expert for what we call your top three expert action steps. These are your best pieces of advice for my listeners to take on to make their lives uh, and their businesses better. So what do you say? What are your top three pieces of advice? Um, but I, I would say the first obviously is, is you have to have a goal and uh, you know, you have to, work extremely hard in order to reach that goal, whatever it might be. Uh, so hard work and, you know, keep your eye on, on what you uh, want to achieve and don't take your eye off that and, and continue to work extremely hard. Um, I would say the second thing is uh, you're, you're going to have obstacles. 
you know, you're, you're going to run into roadblocks and no matter what business you're in or, 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 or anything, there are going to be roadblocks in your way and you've got to find a way to either get over them or go around them if you're going to have success. So, uh, <clears throat> I guess that would be the second thing. And, uh, I, I think the third thing is, you know, be a, be a good person, be, be a good person to other people, uh, and, you know, do the best you can to make other people, uh, you know, like you and, you know, and be nice to them. I mean, if you're not nice to people, they're not going to buy anything from you. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to be part of your business. And, and again, along with that, I would say, you know, work with your teammates. Because if you don't work with your teammates, like I said, you can't do it alone. And you can't have success by trying to do everything yourself. So you need help. And if you have teammates, reach out and have them help you. I like those expert action steps. Those are really good. So, you know, have goals and work hard toward them. Right. And yeah. um, you're going to have obstacles. You got to find a way around them or over them or through them. <laughs> yeah. Well, or through them. Yeah. <laughs> or through them. <laughs> And, uh, uh, you know, be a good person and, and, and have teammates. Don't do it alone. And I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. In fact, my business is predicated on people not doing it alone because we offer them help to get themselves and their businesses to the next level. So thank you for putting my message out there for me today, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. It's, uh, I mean, it is so true. I mean, I don't think anybody can deny all those things, you know, that, no that those things are real and they're part of business, they're part of sports, they're part of life. They are. They're life skills that, that if you apply those skills, you're going to have success in whatever you do. Amen. 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 So uh, to my listener, Rick Vive, Maple Leaf legend, three-time 50-goal scorer. He's the real deal. He's got a great book out there called Catch-22. Same title as a, as a famous novel by Joseph Heller, which was a fantastic book. And I'm sure this one is too. So make sure you pick up a copy either on Amazon, on, on Indigo, or at Shoppers, or at uh, Walmart, or in, in bookstores. Just go pick up a copy. And secondly, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you like Rick's message, share it with someone who needs to hear this message. We're living in a time where a lot of people are dealing with mental health issues. The last two years have been tough. Being alone, being isolated isn't good. Being with people makes you feel better. So this is a way of you reaching out to a fellow human being and saying, hey, I listen to something that I think will lift your spirits. So send it over to them and make sure that they take, take advantage of that. And if you believe in Rick's message, if don't do it alone and you're in business and, and, and you need some help right now and you know you shouldn't be doing it alone, go to our website, eastcircleacademy.com. There's a whole bunch of resources there. But more importantly, there's this book a call button there. All you got to do is click on that button and fill out uh, a form, pick a time and have a call with someone from our team. And what they'll do is they'll sit down, they'll talk to you about the issues you're dealing with and they will put a plan together for you. It's absolutely free. There's no cost to it. There's no catch. There's no bait and switch. We just want to help and we want you to get to the next level in your life, the next level in your business. So take advantage of that if that's something you need. 
Rick, yeah, my friend. Can I finish? I, I'd yeah, like sure. to finish off with one other thing, and that is when I played, it was, you know, obviously it was a lot different than what it is today. But the thing that I love about the game since probably 94, 95 is that the players have gained a lot more power. And I think that's important. You know, uh, the players have a lot of say in, in, you know, what goes on in the league and that sort of thing. And I think that is so important for, for sports that the players do have that power. Cause we didn't have that in the eighties. Uh, Al Eagleson was the head of our uh, player association and he was like this with the owners. And so we had no power and now they, they have all the, or they don't have all the power, but they have a lot of power. And I think that, um, you know, helps with, uh, uh, the way the, the, the league is run and, uh, you know, they have a lot of input and say into how it goes. And I think that's very, very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, you can't have too much dominance for one side or the other, because, uh, whenever someone has all the power and the other side has none of the power, unfortunately, it brings out the worst instincts of the people in power, absolute power, mm -hmm. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, I like to say it. Thank God for the Canadian Senate earlier this year. <laughs> you know, they were checking out some of the worst impulses of the folks in power. We're trying to say, OK, we're going to be able to seize everybody's bank accounts if we don't like what they said out there in the world. And the Canadian Senate said, eh, not so fast. And I just said, thank God for the Senate. And what you're saying is absolutely the, the case when it comes to professional sports as well. You, you, you got to have checks and balances on people. And I believe in checks and balances. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, uh, and on that note, that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Rick Bide, legendary Maple Leafs captain, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or check out the show notes wherever you happen to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or audible until next time goodbye this episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice